Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris, your host. Hope you've been enjoying this. I know I have. My favorite readings in the scriptures are the words of our Lord Jesus. And uh, so as we read them, we hear the word of God speaking to us, which is just a wonderful, wonderful experience. I hope you have had that as well. Um, And as we continue, uh, Jesus is finishing out uh, the portion of the Sermon on the Mount where it begin, where each subject begins with, you have heard that it was said of them of old time. He says this several times here, talking about certain ideas and laws, and I know he's saying, I know this is what you've been taught, but I say unto you. But, being a contrasting conjunction here, he's not saying, I know you've heard it's been said, and I say unto you. You see, this was be, that would be an additive, wouldn't it? It would be something that is added to something you already know. And uh, this concept that keeps reappearing every time he wants to discuss a particular law or an ordinance for the, for the state and, uh, and country of Israel. Uh, and it begins with, I, I know that you have been told this, but I say unto you. What he's doing is he, he's trying to erase a previous idea. Now, friend... Um, I can't tell you how much I doubt (laughs) that you know everything you need to know to be a Christian. (laughs) I know you don't know it. Do you know you don't know it? It's very important for you to know that you don't know. It's very important for you to to doubt that... um, that what you know is, is exactly what the Lord wants you to know. And if that is true, then there's many things to learn, is there not? And if there are many things to learn, what you're going to find is, is when you find a new concept of your theology or your doctrine, and you go to put it on the shelf of your, your, your mental shelving where you store these things, you're going to find the little cubbyhole where it fits has got something else in there. (laughs) And you pull it out and you read it and you think, whoa, I forgot about that one. I I don't believe that anymore. Well, toss it. Toss it away and make place for the new revelation. Um, You see, we live by the word of God. The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. We are to live by this bread. We're not to, I mean, everybody thinks that, you know, this is just, you know, our Bibles, why, they're just bakeries, (laughs) and they just turn out bread. Well, no, they say the same thing. They're making the same bread they made last week, last year, uh, and uh, and some of our Christian Bibles, 3,500 years they've been saying the same thing. And uh, they certainly haven't fixed world hunger, haven't fixed world war. Uh, I mean, look at the state of our so-called Christian country. 
you know, there's something hugely missing. What is it? Relationship with God. We all have relationships with our Bibles. We all have relationships with our churches and our pastors and our deacons and the people that we, that we respect, our mamas and our daddies and our grandmas and our grandpas. But that's not enough. We need a relationship with the Lord of hosts. I mean, he's, he's the one that, that uh, is he's the only one that's going to give us what we need to live on a daily basis. Now, if he's going to do that on a daily basis, then all of a sudden the, the, uh, the, the prayer that we're going to get into after this section, all of a sudden it will make sense to you that the Lord is not only talking about our daily provision of food when he says, give us day by day our daily bread. And uh, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We seek him on a daily basis. We, we take time every day to hear the voice of God. Rule number three. And uh, when we do, we're given revelation. Perhaps not at that moment. I, I believe that you do receive it at that moment. But as, as your life presents its little problems and starts making demands on you, you're going to call upon a power that Frankly, you didn't have before. You're going to call upon uh, wisdom that, frankly, you did not have before. Well, that comes because the Lord has given it to you. That is what I want you to listen for as we read these very familiar scriptures. Uh, not, uh, and, and not find yourself in that position of, yeah, heard that. Yeah, we studied that in Sunday school last week or something like that. The most powerful thing that any, any, any revelation that can come to anybody is that you don't know. You just don't know. And so I need, I need to know. Um, so when Jesus says, I know you've been told this, but I say unto you, he's about to replace. He's about to pull something out of a cubbyhole and give you something to put back. And this is what I want you to do. So just to acknowledge that he said, for example, uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is where we're going here. You've heard that it's been said, uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, okay, what is he saying? You need to get that little eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth thing out of that cubbyhole. It doesn't belong there. You're a Christian. You have to do things differently. Now, those who worship their Bibles and those who uh, believe uh, that you know, that you're not allowed to change anything in it and you're not allowed to change words or definitions or whatever. Uh, you know, they get very antsy when you start talking about these kind of things. But we, I mean, about changing something. The Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, you have to understand that, yeah, it perhaps it does say that, but that concept was kind of cherry-picked out of the Bible and uh, it, was, it was done actually literally. And, um, and Jesus was saying, that's not the way we're supposed to act toward one another. I don't care. Um, I know, boy, people are going to go nuts when I say this, but I don't care what the Bible says. My Lord is Jesus Christ. He is my God. And I do what he says to do. And I don't care if he says, um, you know, that thou shalt not forswear thyself. Make sure that when you do swear, you tell the truth. I don't care. Jesus said, don't swear at all. Okay, that's what I'll not do. And when he says, you've heard it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
I don't want you to engage yourself in that kind of thing. Here's what I want you to do. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to dispense with the first idea, and I'm going to take his second idea. Am I a heretic? Am I anti-Jew? Am I anti-Semitic? Am I, am I uh, anti-Bible? Anti-Old Testament? Anti-Torah? Well, I guess that's up to you to judge. Frankly, I think I'm really pro-Jesus. I think he's the Son of God. You know, call me crazy. <laughs> But I think Jesus is the Son of God. I think that he's the anointed one, the Messiah sent to the earth to tell us how to escape this thing with our souls intact and enter into the kingdom of heaven. I really believe it. Furthermore, I believe he's alive. I believe he raised from the dead. And I think, whether figuratively or not, I don't know, don't really care. I think he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for me. And he can make it for you if you'll accept him as being the Son of God. Which means your boss. <laughs> Alright, you have heard it has been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek turn him the other also. Now notice that he was saying uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And he's talking about uh, being struck on the cheek. Um, in my earlier days, of which I am ashamed now, um, I would consider a fight won if parts of that guy were coming off. <laughs> and uh, so it, I understand when he says somebody smites you on your right cheek. He's not talking about slapping you. He's talking about knocking your tooth out. So you think slapping you on the cheek and turning the other was difficult? How about this? He's talking about if teeth are missing because of it. Say, hey, I got teeth on the other side too. These are very difficult things. People say, well, that's just being a sissy. That's just letting people walk on you. Have you ever thought that that might just be being obedient to your God? Have you ever thought about the fact that dead people don't feel these kind of things? And that we are called to die. Jesus says, you want, you want to be different? You want to be regenerated? You want to, be, you want to have a different life? You want to be the person that you were designed to be? Then deny yourself. Take up your cross. What does that mean? You have to be willing to die for what you believe. Oh, I'm willing to die for Jesus. I'm not just willing. I'm not willing to have a tooth knocked out. So what you're saying is what most every Christian says when he says, I'm willing to die for Jesus. He's got some Hollywood thing in his brain where, you know, the jackbooted thugs of the, of the, the godless hordes of the Russians are bust into the room and hold their little Russian burp guns in their hand and throw everybody against the wall and say, now deny Jesus. Or we're going to kill you. And I'm not denying Jesus. I'm going to say that I'm a Christian. And he can just shoot me if he wants to shoot me. Because I'm not going to deny Jesus. This is the little Hollywood reel that's running in people's heads. When they talk about dying for the Lord. And you know what they're actually saying? I'm willing to die for Jesus. But I'm not willing to live for him. 
You know, it's that same thing that happens in, in wartime when young men start to, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if they do this anymore, but back when we had character, <laughs> back when our country was young, back when people could think, and guys were guys, and girls were girls, and all those kind of things, remember that? I think they called it the 40s. <laughs> uh, but back in those days, when the enemies were overrunning peaceable people and taking their freedoms away, and our country decided to stand in and make a difference, uh, there were young men that were going to war. And uh, they would lie about their age in order to be inducted. And, uh, and from that, in today's vernacular, you can find men anywhere. Well, perhaps. Maybe not as many as you'd like. But there are men out there that are saying they're willing to die for their country. Are you one of those? Is that really what you mean when you say, I'm willing to die for my country? Or are you actually saying, I am willing to kill for my country? There's a huge difference. Huge difference in those two things. But I think in our minds, we've got them kind of mixed up. And they're kind of the same thing now. Same thing in Christianity. I'm willing to die for Jesus, but I'm not losing a tooth to him. And I'm certainly not going to give, turn him the other cheek and let him knock a tooth out of that side either. That would just be cowardly. That would be whatever, for whatever reason they've got. But you're willing to die? You know what, friend? I don't believe you. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so he's going on to say that um, you should turn him the other also. He, and then he gives an example. He says, if any man sue you at the law and take away your coat, let him have your shirt too. <laughs> what does this mean? This means to live in such a way that nobody can steal from you. Nobody can sue you at the law and take, your, take away your goods. Everything you have in your life is held in an open hand. Everything you have. This is Christian character, friends. How much of that have you got? Is there anything in you that says that? You think that... Uh, be careful with these thoughts because we live in a modern age today. We have insurance nowadays. You know, there, there's people that are insured against theft. You get mugged on the street. Yeah, give me your wallet. Give me your credit cards. Give them it all. Let me go home, make a phone call. You get it all back. No big deal. That's not the case. That's not the, the society that this was preached in. We need to be willing to lose. We need to be willing to be stolen from and done wrong. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ suffered wrongfully. And in doing so, he left a pattern for us to walk in his steps. You know what my duty is? To make sure that uh, if I am uh, cheated, detained, arrested, whatever else, I can't help what the cop's going to do. I can't help what the, you know, whatever government agency is harassing me or whatever they're doing or threatening to put me in jail. I can't stop any of that. Here's the only th power that I have. I know a fellow that was 
telling me one time that he was being persecuted. We were talking about being persecuted for righteousness sake. And he says, one time I got a ticket by a highway patrolman that made it clear to me that he was an atheist. And I said, what? You got a ticket for what? <laughs> and he said, yep, I had one of them fish on my bumper. And he pulled me over and gave me a ticket. Now that's just suffering for Jesus. Is it really? Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you think so? He, he would ask. And I'd say, well, I haven't heard all the story. <laughs> Let me hear the story. Well, it turns out he's doing 80 in a 45 zone or something like that. And I'd say, friend, you're not being persecuted for righteousness' sake. You're being persecuted because you are a scofflaw. You, you are you're a, an outlaw. You... <laughs> This is, a, this is a problem. You deserve a ticket. You deserve to be arrested. Plastic fish or not. You can make this out to be like you're suffering for Jesus, but you're not. You're suffering for your own sins. The Bible says you suffer for your own sins, you're getting what you deserve. Now, what, what can we do? We can make sure that whenever we suffer, and this is something you need to do, Whenever we suffer, we suffer wrongfully. We don't deserve it. You know what? That's the only thing in my power. That's the only thing in my power. Have the IRS come into this ministry and flip all my, my filing cabinets upside down and you know thumb through a cash box or go over my books or whatever else? Well, they can do that if they want to. But you know what I have already made sure of? That if they pin me for a million dollars of tax evasion, it's not true. <laughs> That's the only thing I have control of. I can't stop them. I can't, I can't keep them from doing whatever it is they do or whatever it is they want to do. Can't stop that. I can't stop it. Can't stop them from carrying me to court and trying me for the crime. I can't stop the judge for throwing me in jail. For a crime I didn't commit. But there is one thing I can do. And that is I can make sure that whatever they're accusing me of, it's not true. Do you, do you understand this? It's suffering wrongfully. You suffer for your own sins, you deserve it. But you suffer for righteousness sake. In other words, you, you're living right. And you're not really suffering for righteousness sake, but you're suffering for something that you didn't do because you're living righteously. You're living, you're living correctly. You're doing the right thing. And uh, if that is the case, now you're involved in something you can do something about. So you're not going to, you're not going to stop the guy from hitting you on the cheek. Now, I don't know what you can do about that. But my advice from my Lord is, Give him the other cheek. And if they sue you at the law and take away your money, why don't you, give them, why don't you buy a few tickets to the policeman's ball? Or, you know, just, just let them know. I mean, I, it's not really a matter of witness. It certainly would turn out to be one, though, that if they take away your coat, give them your shirt, too. 
This is the characteristic of a Christian that he's talking about here. He says to, if a man compel you to go with him a mile. I understand that. I'm no historian. I don't claim to be. But I understand that a Roman soldier had the right after they occupied Israel to ask any Israelite, any citizen of that country, to carry his armor. Uh, these, these soldiers carried, you know, swords and shields and coats of armor and all kinds of stuff. And, um, and it was difficult for them to move from one place to the other. They made it a law that any Roman soldier can ask any citizen to, to in other words, go with him a mile and that he would help him carry his, his goods at least a mile. It absolutely infuriated the Jews. <laughs> you know, that here you are invading our country, taking away our laws, making yourself out to be God, you know, ridiculing us, taking away our country, taking away our temple. You're doing all these horrible things, and then we're supposed to facilitate this? This is why I tell people, you know, I, I look, I don't like the government using my tax money to pay for abortions. I don't like the government using my tax money to pay for colleges that teach children to live in ungodly ways and teach them that, you know, that uh, we're all, we all come from monkeys or that, uh, that there's no such thing as, you know, what do they say? You know, that's your truth. This is my truth. And all the rest of this hokey stuff that comes out of colleges. I think they all ought to shut the doors and chain them shut. Personally, I don't like the fact that my tax dollars go to that kind of thing. But you know what they're doing? They're compelling me to go a mile. So, okay, fine. The Lord knows how much my taxes are. He knows that if I make X number of dollars that i got to pay X number of dollars. He's fully aware of that. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'll repay just do as you're told. Have a good witness. Have salt in yourself. All right, so he, he's saying that uh, if he compels you to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that ask of thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Now, listen to this. This just came on the tail end of all this discussion on how to handle your enemy. These are not friends of yours that knock your teeth out or take advantage of your, your generosity or sue you at the law and take away your clothes. These are, and what did he say? Give to him that ask of thee and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. What? We're supposed to lend to our enemies? You know what? That might have been the word of God speaking to you just now. Hey, you have heard it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Oh, there it is. <laughs> love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That, and you can always put the word so in front of the word that if you'd like, if it makes it easier for you. So that you can be the children of your father. This is what the children of your father act like. This is, this is what they think like. This is what they do. And if you want to be the children of your father, this is what you do. This is how you, you know, you know, the Bible says, love your 
neighbors and hate your enemy. No, not anymore. I don't care what it says. I'm not going to hate my enemy. I'm going to do good to him, even if he persecutes me and throws me in jail. Why? So I can be the children of my Father, which is in heaven. Well, that sounds like works-oriented salvation. I don't know when you're going to quit saying that. It's all works-oriented salvation. That's how you become a Christian. You'll work at it with fear and trembling. Um, so he continues and says, For if you love them which love you, what reward is there in that? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Here it's, here it is clear that Jesus is expecting us to do more than others. He asks the question like, this is stupid, this is silly, this is nuts. What are you thinking? So you salute your brethren. You know, hello, Rabbi so-and-so. Hello, brother so-and-so. Oh, you know, here comes a homeless person. Or somebody you don't like or something. You shun them and you accept the good people in your life. He says, what do, how is that? More so than what anybody else in this world does. It's just so obviously implied in Jesus' speech at this point. You are expected to do more than others. What do you more than others? You know what the answer to the question is? Nothing. Nothing, sir. I'm no different than anybody else. Exactly right. And I expect you to be. Why, he's adding words to the Bible. Well, it's time somebody does that. You know what? This, this has been sitting on your table at home. All I had to do is read it. All right. Not that, I, not that I'm complaining. I'm enjoying everything I do here. So he says, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? The people you hate, the Roman tax collectors, the Jews that have sold out to Rome and collect taxes from you? Isn't that what they do? The people you hate, don't they live that way? So, big deal. <laughs> Be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Again, here's that word perfect that throws people off. We're called to be perfect. And there are people that have extended the idea of perfection to the point that they say that anything short of perfection is sin. This is why people... I guess, why they walk around saying that they sin every day. Well, you might fall short of perfection every day, but sin is a transgression against the law. That I don't do. But I am short of perfect. That come as a surprise to anybody? No, I didn't think so. All right, time is gone for the day. Glad uh, to have you uh, as a part of the show. Look forward to seeing you next time. Time for us to go. See you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.